If Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> America's first. Blubbity Blah. The Blubbity Blah. Sending out good vibes. Blubbity Blah. Good vibes. Blubbity Blah. Good vibes. Good vibes. Good vibes. Underneath breaths of deep gratitude and prayers for guidance and protection. And put on a didgeridoo and shamanic drumming track. Shivers or vibrations and stuff like that. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Drum America Show. We're going to be chatting with Brandon and Mufasa from the Haunted Discovery. Mustafa. 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 I was saying that the whole interview, too. <laughs> <laughs> the haunted discoveries uh channel great chat we really did have fun with this one um it was a good one yeah with some back and forth there's some of your mom jokes in there oh yeah those guys are great yeah fantastic chat some and fantastic I mean, chats if you want to skip ahead to that there's always a timestamp in the show notes you can skip our lazy ramblings here it'll be a little extended tonight as we're going to clip on a little bit, uh, not extended, but we're going to clip on our, we went on and on and out loud about the new audio book channel, which is up and running. So we'll clip that in here before the interview. And it's uh, basically 20 minutes of what we're doing, how you can get it, where you can get it, all that good stuff. So what yeah. do you, what do you want to start with? Well, this was a good chat. I mean, we had, you know, it was about, uh, I love sort of their scientific take on ghost hunting, but yet they're also, they kind of also admit when there's like these real big anomalies and they, and they have some crazy stories. They're very interesting. I love the gray lady phenomena as well. Um, yeah. It'd be interesting season to watch. They're both like hosts and producers and writers and, uh, ghost hunters. Um, yeah, they're, they're cool guys. Cool dudes. You heard it here from the one only Graham Dunlop. I can give you an update on, uh, the uh, the clean technology of Malcolm Bendall, I guess, if you want. I mean, I talked about it last episode, so I might as well go forward because there is some news a little bit. I mean, <clears throat> there was that demonstration that happened. And, you know, one of these guys, I'm in a chat with some people about the technology and and one of the guys actually went down. I guess he, I guess the, 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 the engine that was retrofitted uh, for the Tesla tech conference, uh, I guess that was in, New Mexico or something like that. So he drove down there to check it out and he took some pictures and he did some, some, and in, in sort of some investigations, he kind of mapped it out and he wrote a little report, which is pretty interesting. I mean, he, he, he says it seems to be working. It seems to be doing what it is. I mean, I think they need to do some really, really good measurements on it, but it seems legit. I mean, there was a whole team there, like I said, last week working on it, but it was good to have somebody kind of random that I know of only from a chat, but to have him go down, document it, write it up. And I mean, actually he did a, like sort of a diagram, a flow diagram, which is really quite easy to understand compared to what we were looking at before. So yeah, it's positive. It's looking good. That's, that's what I got for you. That's my report. I like it. I like it. Do you yeah. want to, how's the uh, update? You must be down to what about five weeks to get out. 
of my place. Well, yeah, 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 four or five weeks. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm uh, I'm sort of moving stuff into storage right now, and and working on that. Uh, trying to, we got a wedding to go to prior to that. It's it's going to be a busy few weeks here. That, the wedding's this weekend. No, no, no. It's coming up in a couple of weeks still. <laughs> yeah. I was looking at. Uh, it's not this weekend. No, it's the eighth, September eighth. I'm looking forward to getting out. You know, honestly, to be honest, I'm looking forward to starting again somewhere else, getting into a new place and small town, and see how long that lasts. You can head up north though; some good uh, hunting up north. It is, uh, of course, hunting season right around the corner, so all the white dudes will be coming over. But more exciting than that is it does start to get crowded out there, especially around the city. But it's fun. I mean, I still get caught up in the excitement. Of the you hunting, know, yeah. I hunt all the time. The ruts start happening. That makes it funner. I was watching a couple elk hunt uh, fight Friday night. You they were, were five hundred yards away, getting ready to. Start. They were like, hang, they're starting to go up in the bachelor herds, the elk. So I seen two at like five hundred yards. One smaller one, one bigger one, just kind of not fighting, but you know, huffy with each other. <laughs> you know, yeah. Buddy, the little swat with his antlers. Oh, cool. You know, when we do our elk hunt on the base, that's not on, that's well past the rut. So now's when they're like calling. I'll be doing some calling. And bow hunting starts. Uh, the season opens for everyone else on the first for bow hunting, is what'll be big. September 1st? Yeah. So I'm finishing Friday, will be my last time hunting out in the hills. I got a moose already. I got that little moose. So that's at the butcher. I'm going to go out there, look for an elk. Still need a sausage deer. And then starting Saturday, because even Saturday, a lot of the archery guys will start going out there and building their tree stands. So I'm going to go see if I can get a hold of that elk I seen the other day. This Friday. Saturday will be bow, bow hunting deer. Cool. And then going hard from uh, now on. And then the antelope will start rotting. So, and everyone else is super excited about it. Cabela's is buzzing. Really, eh? What, what do you mean? Why? Why? Is this different? Because these dudes only get to hunt two months of the year. Just September and October? Yeah, and a bit of November. Yeah. Depending on how bad and brutal winter comes in. Duck season opens on the 8th, so that's exciting. So literally, like, so the gut, like, it's August 21st today. So literally like in 10 days, they'll be like, they, they're just going to be rushing out to the hills to hunt basically. Oh yeah. Opening day and then opening rifle day is another big day. That'll be, I think September 15th out in the mountains and uh, maybe like the 27th everywhere else. Mm. I do have a letter. Uh, I didn't get to dated July, 2023. It's not that I'll actually have a shirt here for you too. Okay. Uh, um, a contact in the desert shirt. I have a bunch of contact in the desert stuff here for you. Okay. Hello, Darren and Graham. In celebration of Gramerica's 10-year anniversary, you're going to get fucking canceled everywhere. <laughs> just kidding. She didn't write that. That's just, that's what happened. In celebration of Gramerica's 10-year anniversary, I've enclosed a few souvenirs from the, quote, largest UFO conference in the world. Contact in the desert. It's finally back after a four-year hiatus. Thought this might be of interest since I heard Graham mention possibly volunteering at this event. In reality, Gramerica would qualify as members of the media. 
The only media present at these conferences are alternative media outlets anyway, like podcasters and video content creators on YouTube, Rumble, and Rockfin. One of the most unique ideas presented there was from researcher Jason Quitt. I've enclosed his latest book, Astral Genesis, since I thought it might be of interest, particularly after the epic trip to Egypt. Of course, Chandra was with us in Egypt. We had a great time. Yeah. Chandra's been all over with us. Yeah, she's uh, awesome. Egypt, Scablands, Montana, I think, too. And yeah. the, the Dave Matheson stuff. She was out at Shasta. She's been to more cacks than Graham. <laughs> he has put forth a theory that there is a code based on the summer and winter solstices along with the fall and spring equinoxes of each megalithic site that gets incorporated into that site's iconography. He uses many examples from Egyptian iconography. The code seems to apply to other megalithic sites around the world. Anyway, wanted to see what you thought of this idea. As always, keep up the great work. I always look forward to your podcast and try to catch the ones in video format on YouTube or Rockfin. I hope to join another CAC tour soon. Cheers, Chandra. California. She's one of the cool Californians. I think she's from Orange County, though. I think that's where like all the cool Californians are. <laughs> yeah. Or up north. I mean, shout out to Oliver. Thanks, Chandra. Yeah. Love it. I don't know enough about that theory to comment, but I do no, but it have sounds, a book it sounds here. cool, though. It sounds cool. I also have Jared Grace's book here, Isolation. Oh, you finally got it. Yeah, he was asking about that. Yeah, Sean yeah. was reading it. Oh, cool. What did she think? Uh, she didn't finish it, but, okay. you know, that yeah, doesn't mean anything. She didn't ask, say. No, she didn't ask unless you know the answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What do you got for us? I mean, we got 20 minutes to talk about audiobooks. I know you guys have been waiting to hear about that. We do have a great new channel, podcast coming out. We got a great new idea, hoping to catch on a yeah. new way to do audiobooks. Yeah. I don't have the jingles hooked up, so I just have to give it to us. Okay. Here's a, here's a UFO quote for you. Where did it go? The appearance of manned double convex UFOs. I mean, that could almost be the one, like my sighting, a double convex. I mean, that could really be what, what that was. In 1953, coincided with a rash of reports of close-range encounters. Author. You want me to guess? Well, it's the quote, so you can if you want. Yeah, I never guessed the UFO Frank, one. Frank Edwards. Frank yeah, Edwards. there's like no chance I'm guessing your random fucking UFO shit. Well, I think the closure disclosure has been canceled anyway, so. Has it? Yeah, the government's uh, not participating anymore. Something's happened anyways, and there's a big kerfuffle in, in, on UFO Twitter. On UFO yeah. Twitter? Is yeah. there a uh, fight? Well, it's just like, you know, I guess the government, it's, it's just like they, they've, I don't know, something, the whole thing's been kiboshed or something. It's been very strange. That's a shame. Yeah. It's almost time for the election cycle. So I don't want to get into these operation projects because it's a little bit, it might be too soon, but I want to talk, I want to just mention them. Operation Pink Rose and Operation Sherwood Fort, Sher, sorry, Sherwood Forest, Operation Hot Tip. These are going back from the to the mid sixties, when the Secretary of Defense and the 
joint chiefs of staff. We're looking at ways to measure the flammability of forests and jungle growth. <laughs> I'm telling you. Yeah. Burned, it's, uh, it's like four, some pretty five, interesting five. operations. I, uh, I don't even know if I should put a link in the show. Maybe I'll put a link in the show notes. Those two, but yeah, there's some interesting operations going back to the mid '60s. Guess how many gallons of uh, guess how many gallons of Agent Orange they dumped on one of these things? I don't know. Twenty-two thousand gallons of Agent Orange. Oh, that seems like a lot. Yeah. To try and, you know, assist in making the foliage flammable. I'd run my truck forever. And you then run a truck in, on Agent Orange? I don't know. And then in, uh, in Pink Rose, uh, 255,000 gallons of herbicide was di dispensed and to, to support Operation Pink Rose. Speaking of support, you could support Operation Grand America show. By heading over to grammarica.ca slash support today. There's never been, you know, as we talked about last week, as we're going to get into a little bit more uh, here with this snippet about our audiobooks being cut off. You know, our income was sort of just pulled out from underneath us. We didn't get paid in August, you know, a lot of money that we were counting on. We still haven't got paid. We don't know when. We don't know if. We can't seem to get a good response on that. So there's never been better time to sign up for the Gramerica sign up. You know, you can get a one-time donation over at Gramerica.ca slash support, or you can sign up for a monthly buck a month, two bucks a month. You can just pick your own number and plug it in there. Pick what you want. Do what you want. Or head over to GramericaOutlaw.ca, sign up for plus. Head over to AdultBrain.ca, sign up for premium over there. Sign up for a trip at contact at the cabin. You know, there's probably another way. Am I missing something? Swag, grammarica.ca slash swag. There's still a bunch of stuff there. Yeah, you might want to get your this is bullshit mask prepared for the fall. Oh, yeah, the mask probably coming back. If I had to guess. You got anything else you want to get? That's, to? No, that's about it, I think, yeah. We're going to cut in here, guys, before we jump into the chat with Brandon and Mustafa. Mustafa. Uh... Just the thing we talked 20 minutes about audiobooks, kind of reiterate what happened and uh, what we're up to. Enjoy it. What do you got? You want to start? I well, got. Let's start with our audiobook thing. I mean, let's start with uh, an update here on what's going on with, with In America. I don't think that we talked about it on. Have we talked about it on Outlawed yet? I'm not sure. This is a free Outlawed, right? Yeah. Well, if people don't know, we have an audiobook company called Adult Brain Publishing that kind of started out when we started making some audiobooks for some past guests who wanted audiobooks. And that kind of got us into the audiobook game, which moved on to this other, this whole other thing I won't get into the ins and outs of it, but we've been creating all these audiobooks and forgotten titles and a lot of esoteric and theosophical stuff and bringing them back to. Back to life, stuff that, you know, maybe people thought there was no money in or no reason in bringing them out because of the public domain nature of the content. Um, but we figured out a way to get them out on audio. And we had them on 
not only on audio, we had them in Audible for a long time. We had, I think, 87 books. No, sorry, we had 90, 97 books for sale on Audible. Um, you know, all the ones ground scrolling through there. The Invitable Wonders of the World, Pantheism, Its Story and Significance, The Open Conspiracy, The Behavior of Crowds, The Mystical Life of Jesus, The Jesus, Malleus Maleficarum, uh, all the Blavatsky stuff, uh, Mysticism and Logic. I could go on and on. 97 books. Like I said, we've been selling them for years. We first started selling them in 2020. Sorry, 2021, I think, is when the first books went on sale. Uh, sorry, no, it was 2020. We sold a few books in 2020, 2021. By 2022, 2023, we were making enough money. I mean, honestly, the books were the real reason that Graham was able to pull off his retirement scheme. Is because and, I, and, I, and I did it before knowing. I just had some faith of the books. It was kind of a leap of faith that the books might turn out. I mean, and it, and it did. It really synchronistically worked out good enough for me to stay at home, work at home and, and narrate books and do the podcast and all that. It was good. And for then, me. yeah, we were making uh, enough money to, to, for Graham to stay home. It offset the money that we weren't making on the podcasts. And uh, then we got canceled because our Kindle, our Kindle account got canceled because we offended Kindle. And then, you know, that kind of was okay for a while. We didn't think it was going to affect the audiobooks. But lo and behold, seven months later, it circled around. We got an email saying because the audiobooks were, or because the Kindle account was in bad standing, that they were going to delete the audiobook account. So they did. And this was just like a few days before payday. They didn't pay us. They still haven't paid us. We're, you know, haven't been paid in a while now. We're waiting. They was. Now somewhere between ten and twenty thousand dollars US. We're waiting to see what's gonna happen with that, if they're gonna pay us or if they're gonna hold us or if they're gonna keep it. I mean, there's a real chance they're gonna keep it. It's fifty fifty right now, I would say. Uh so we'll see what happens there. Well long but, story short, what? Well, the frustrating thing is is that you we're not really getting clear. It's like you're dealing with a fucking robot. It really is like an AI. Well, if you break through the AI to talk to somebody. You're still, we're still not getting any real clear answers. We're asking specific questions, and for some reason, we're not getting any clear answers. We don't really know how it's going to go. there enough. I mean, but I just, you're about to say, like, what? It's just a room full of bozos bumping into each other. I just picture, you know, like, how do you? No one knows what to do. Well, no, they have protocols. Some dude on a golf course, and he's like, ah. No, the problem is they have protocols. They can't even veer outside these things. These big companies are monsters. They're beasts that have these regulations and these standards that are all checked by AI, and that's it. They can't go out the, outside the boundaries. You can't even go up to a high person and say, look at what's happened here. They they can't veer. And plus, they look at they look at us and our content probably, and they're like, fuck these guys. Long story short. We got canceled. We don't know what to, we didn't know what uh, what's going to happen there, uh, but we couldn't wait around. We had to keep moving, so we did. We went through another distributor, got into all the places that aren't Audible. I do know we are back in Apple already. There's a chance this dis- new distributor will get us back into uh, Audible as well. We're waiting. You know, we'll find out sometime in the next two or three weeks if these titles are going to get back in Audible too. And a non-exclusive, like a penalty, uh, yeah. it'll be a royalty penalty, but at a much lower royalty rate now. If we get them in through this new distributor, then the new distributor takes some on top of that. 
But the good news is it opened us up to the ability to, to put all these books everywhere else. So now they're available, you know, on the Walmart bookstore, the Kobo bookstore, audiobooks.com, all these places that aren't Amazon. Because we did get a lot of complaints from people that didn't like to use Amazon products and they didn't have a way to get the audiobooks. Now you do. So yeah. you can get them in all these other places. Any, you can get them any place audiobooks is, are sold right now except for Audible. But we're hoping that'll change in the next few weeks because even though we're kind of pissed at Audible, it is a huge chunk of the market. So if we can get them in there, even at that reduced rate for the people that aren't going to find them other places, we're going to do it. Because so otherwise we don't know if it's viable. I mean, that's the other thing. Exactly. It's the only way to keep it like good and viable. But anyway, we also made the podcast. It gave us the opportunity. We wanted to take some of this stuff into our own hands. We have all these books. We have only non-exclusive deals with all the books now, which leaves us open to do whatever we want with the titles as well as sell them all over the place. It's not in our best interest to just make them all freely available on the internet. Or, you know, that would probably just cut all the sales out. And what actually, I think there's like stuff in our distribution agreement that says we can't do that. Um, anyway, long story short, we made a new podcast. Uh, we were trying to figure out a way to do it to keep everyone sort of happy and get a lot of free content out and also figure out a way to maybe make some money so that we're not even beholden on this new distributor. Ideally, we can maybe find a way to do in our own path. We're trying to find a new way to maybe do audiobooks. Um, so we took our 97 books. We're in the process of uploading them to the website. Right now, I think the last check, we're at 43. We're at 50 by the end of the night because I'm still going. We got a hundred to do about total because we're able to add in some other books now, not just the audible ones. We have a half dozen or a dozen books, you know, that we did for other people or that never got published like the F word by McGowan and, uh, you know, some, some saucy stuff, some like extra saucy yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like that one from Alexander Wild Wilder, the fallacy of, well, yeah, so we're not going to say it. No, we're not going to say it. Quack, quack. Anyway, uh, you can get all those books. What we did is we're going to do this. So we're going to upload all the books to the server. We're going to upload all the full books, and we're going to upload, you know, an hour or two of all the other books. Some of these hours, 34, 35 hours long. I'm talking about 1,000 hours of content or more. Um, how we're going to do it is we're going to do three or four free books every month. We're going to rotate those around, so every month those will change as a catalog grows those amount of free books might grow you know when we have 200 books maybe we'll make it five free books or anyway long story short there's always going to be a couple of free books in there so you can always go in your podcast feed this one's free this month right now it's hamlet's mill the unabomber manifesto and other essays and the book of the dad by charles fort all three books are those free i think one's 17 hours one's 12 hours the other one's six or seven hours and then the other 97 books you get just the first like two hours of. So you can, if it's a short book, you get an hour. If it's a long book, you get two, two and a half hours. Long enough to get, you know, I try and do it about uh, you know, 10 to 20%. If it's a short book, maybe 30%. So you can get a good taste of the substance of the ma uh, subject matter and decide if you, if you like it. Then you could either go to one of those distributors and buy the audiobook, or you could sign up for premium and become an Adult Brain Premium member uh, for $7.77 a month, 
And that, of course, will give you access to all of our audiobooks all the time. Um, by the end of the month, that'll be 100 audiobooks sitting there. Graham's still going. He's recording the Napoleon Hill stuff right now. That was stuff that there were so many copies of flying around. There's so many copies of Think and Go Rich, there's no point in putting another one on Audible. It just doesn't make sense. Uh, and Outwitting the Devil is Creative Commons, so you're not allowed to monetize it, but we can throw it out on, an, on a podcast for free. And there's a bunch of these other titles that just, there's 10 copies of on Audible, so we avoided them, but they're great books. But now we're going to do them, and we're going to put them in this podcast. So they'll be free sometimes. So like I say, if you want to just do the free thing, you're going to always have some new free books. There'll be more free content than you can listen to in a month. And the bonus thing about the seven seventy seven a month is you get it's not like Audible where you get a credit for fifteen bucks and you get a book or twenty bucks or whatever it is now, but you get all of them all the time, anytime you want any of those books. And the and the and the library is going to be expanding. And you know, maybe yeah, we had we had on average about a book a week, if it's a short book or a book a month, if it's a long book. Malleus took a month. You know, it's twenty five hours long. Secret Doctrine is a month-long book to do, you know. It doesn't seem like it, but however long the runtime is, you can times that by four because it has to be edited and mastered and yeah, all this other hoops that have to be chased. Dude, I'll tell you how long it's been taking to get 100 books up. I've been going nonstop, you know, six to ten hours a day of just crunching books and uploading and mastering and chaptering, and I'm only halfway done. I'm probably 100 hours in. That might be an exaggeration, but I mean, I'm at least 70 hours in for sure. And I'm halfway done. So, you know, it's a ton of work to do a long book, especially the short books are not as long. So, but the long story short, it's going to be at least a book a month added, usually two or three. So that catalog is going to keep growing. We were adding approximately 30 books a year to the catalog historically. So. A year from now, there's going to be 130 books, probably. Two years, 160. You know, these are loose numbers. I'm just spitballing. But we, we're we in the business of making books for ourselves because uh, we're still selling them all. But we just want to try this podcast angle and see if this is a new way to do audiobooks. And uh, maybe if it gets some support or some clout, even the free side of it, then, you know, maybe we can, we'll start to hear from some other publishers that want to try out some different books or try a new model or they're sick yeah. of not making fuck all on Audible anyway. Yeah. But, you know, Adult Brain Publishing has now launched a podcast called Adult Brain Audiobooks. You can get it in all your podcast players. It's everywhere. Spotify, we're having troubles with the, the longer free books. Doesn't seem to let us post anything over 10 hours. So you might want to avoid Spotify for now so, until we can figure that out. You get all the free stuff, the, the stuff, as long as it's under 10 hours. A lot of these books are over 10 hours, though, so they're just not displaying at all. So each each episode, like in a normal podcast, is a book. It's not a chapter or whatever. It's like, so you can scroll through the feed and just download whatever book you want. It's Each book is a full episode. And if you're doing the free thing, then you could download your three books and wait till next month and download them. And you could just keep them all in your catalog, build it that way. Some of them are pretty big. But if you're a premium member, like I say, you're going to just get all those full books all the time, chapter stamped in the show notes. Yeah, like we'd love your support, obviously. And the monthly thing is like is going to be huge for us if we can get it going because uh, it's it's a lot of work. I mean, otherwise, we don't, we're not sure if it's totally sustainable. This is an experiment and we'll see how it goes, but. 
Yeah, this is a total experiment. You know, we had got the value for value thing over at the Grand America show. It doesn't do great, but not as good as we hoped. The outlaw thing does pretty good. It just does. There's not enough people, you know. We do about a 10% conversion rate on the outlawed uh, people, uh, meaning 10% of the people that listen to the show. No, so no, no. It can't, be that, it can't be that much. Well, that's by the Libsyn numbers, so it's probably, yeah. probably it's probably more like 3%. That, which is a high conversion rate, really. But by the advertising numbers, it's 10%. Yeah. Um, so, you know, compared to like 1% at the Garmark Show, so we're doing three or four times the conversion rate, but that's still, there's, you know, there's only 15,000 people listening. So that's it's only, enough, it's only enough to show. It's only enough to cover costs, really, and a little bit more. And a little bit more. So you can tell your friends about this show, sign up for the audiobook things. If you search it in your podcast player, you can do it that way. You can head to adultbrain.ca and the button's there for the free feed. You just click on it. It'll open your podcast player. The logo's behind Darren, right? Yeah, or it's adultbrain.ca slash audiobooks. So how do people get the the premium feed? Adultbrain.ca. Adultbrain.ca? And there's a little get adult brain premium, and that'll bring you to the. It's just like signing up to, to Outlaw or something, right? Just fill it in, get your get your RSS feed, and that's right. Put it in your podcast player, put in your password, and boom, boom, ready to go, right? So far, only three people have signed up, but they all said it was pretty, uh, pretty simple. So here's hoping. I mean. I think we finally got the notes to work for this show too. So after years of fighting, I think we finally figured out how to get the show notes to display. So those should be displaying. And then we'll go back and slowly uh, get them all to display in the back catalog. Of course, the entire back catalog of this show is now available as well. I can't remember if I mentioned that or not, but it was locked at 33 episodes. We decided to just open it up in the event of hopefully finding more people because that 3% and 3 or 4% number is not going to change. We've come to terms with that. So the secret is really to just be 3 or 4% of a bigger number. So if you can't, you know, tell your friends about the show, get them to listen to the show, and maybe they'll decide to sign up for the audiobooks is a whole new thing, right? There's people that aren't even conspiracy people might be into the audiobook stuff. So whatever you can do there to help us out, we would appreciate it. Uh, I'll probably like copy this first 20 minutes here and put it in the Gramerica show too. So if you're listening to both, sorry, but, uh, you know, I don't really want to go all over all that again. And I think we did a pretty good job. So that's, yeah. you know, where we're at. Like I said, we might end up in audible. If you see us in audible, don't call us sellouts. We, we had to check that box because it's 67% of the market. Yeah, and it's not just a sales thing; it's because people got those credits anyway, so they spend yeah. them. And you know, yeah, yeah. it's like ninety percent of our sales are credit sales. Just if they didn't have the credit, would they buy the book? I don't know. Probably not all. Probably not all of them. So uh, we check that box. That being said, we don't know that. You know, they were being fucky about whether they're going to let us back in. So we'll see. It's, we can't really sneak past them when. They know who we are. And I gotta say, too, it's pretty creepy to be canceled by the beast. I mean, it's it's uh, it's pretty gross feeling because you can't you don't have any kind of you can't just have a meeting with the person and say, "Hey, this is where we're at. This is what happened." Like, there's none of that. 
The Kindle oh. people just stopped replying to me. They didn't even fucking answer you. Or it's, let me talk uh, to someone. Disgusting. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's just AI responses. It's disgusting. And they and they don't even give you a warning. They just shut you down. They just shut the whole account down. Boom, gone. And that's it. Brandon and Mustafa, thanks for joining us. This is going to be a fun one. You know, it's been, we've obviously we've talked about ghosts and haunting and stuff a little bit on the show over the years, but I feel like this is going to like step us up a notch here and you're going to take us to the next level. So thanks for joining us. Oh, the pleasure is all ours and we will take it up a notch. Oh yeah. (laughs) That's for sure. Thanks for having us on, man. This is awesome. Yeah, no problem. I mean, I guess we should, I, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on your backgrounds and stuff, but maybe just a quick, like a quick little uh, reader's digest of your background. And maybe, maybe if you had any experiences or what you got interested in, in the, the sort of what you're doing right now. You know, for me, it like started in 1995, my oldest brother, cancer and two, four, had a brother die suicide. So that's what kind of got me into the paranormal, if you will. And so in 2006, I started the American Paranormal Research Association to solely investigate historical locations throughout the United States. And that's what got me started. Right on. Mustafa? I grew up in a haunted house. You know, we had some weird activity happening straight from the first night. Um, <laughs> that kind of just kickstarted like my whole family's beliefs in like the paranormal. And they kind of jived it with their like old Eastern European world mentality of what that meant, plus the Islamic tradition. Um, so then, uh, I kind of used that, you know, as I got older and like my religious traditions to like help people in the Albanian Muslim community. And they were having all these issues and they were like, Oh, this guy, he grew up in a haunted house and he's religious. So let's get Mustafa to come in and look at it. So then, um, I naturally kind of just went in and, and wanted to research more about, you know, hauntings and, and gin and, and supernatural phenomena and then I started looking into the history of the house that I grew up in and turned out there was like a lot of weird stuff that kind of like confirmed, I think, some of the phenomena that we were experiencing that we found rooted in history. And then just started investigating with like local people, you know, paranormal groups. They're always it's like a revolving door of folks. And then, uh, yeah, I ended up meeting this beautiful fool over here from California. And uh, yeah, then we, we got started working together and uh, haven't looked back since. How long, how long has that been then? I officially started paranormal research when I was like, uh, right. I think it was like a week before my 18th birthday. And then, so now it's 19 years now. So how long have you guys been doing it together? 
four years, but god okay. damn, it feels like feels like 40, dude. <laughs> so was there did you guys come like do you guys have different worldviews about what happened, like what you know hauntings are all about, what ghost hunting's all about at all? Man, I, I think it's pretty similar, really. That's that's the funny thing, is like uh you got two guys from different backgrounds, two guys from different parts of the country that really have a, an idea of what we think paranormal investigation should be, right? Uh, especially when it comes to scientific methodology and trying to understand what data collection is and how we should go about trying to document what we, what we perceive to be ghosts and hauntings. So it's uh, it's been fun, man. But at the same time, it's uh, challenging, for sure, to say the least. Well, how, how have you guys done it differently than... I mean, because it's hard, it's hard to like, since we started the show in 2013, I mean, I would say the ghost hunting got really popular, seems like around that time too, for the last 10 years, let's say. So what, what's different? Like, do you guys do it differently scientifically or what, what's kind of some things that sort of make you guys different than the regular ghost hunters? Are you guys Baggins fans? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry, the mani- maniacal laugh shouldn't like say everything there. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but well, I mean, first and foremost, I would say, and I, I'm sure Mustafa will take it after this, but like it, it's about the implement, implementation of people from various technical industries, right? People that actually know what they're doing when it comes to data collection, not just about ghosts and hauntings, because let's be real, none of us know what the hell we're doing at all, like in any way, shape, or form. We have no clue what the hell is going on. So it's about bringing in people from various technical industries that can give us insight and ideas as to what is natural and what's something that we can't explain. So again, it's about using uh, instruments from various technical industries, first and foremost, not spirit boxes, not rim pods, not all this goofy ass shit you see on the TV shows. It's, it's about the fact of trying to find data and trying to find uh, actual information we can actually have analyzed by third parties. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to just to piggyback off of that, I mean, I think in any kind of discipline, you know, especially one as uh, very nascent, like as, as paranormal research is, is that like anytime you have somebody who's coming in and like pretending to know all the answers or what something is, is like, you know, they're full of freaking malarkey. Like there, there's, there's no way that they can be telling the truth. Um, so with, with us, it's like Brandon said, it's like, What we do know is that what we do know is what we don't want to do. What we do know is what causes false positives. So we rule that out. And then what we do know is that there are strange environmental aberrations, right? Or physical phenomena that happens um, at certain times during the investigation. Maybe it's when we mention a salient historical point and then there will be a light anomaly severe drop or spike in barometric pressure at the same time and to see how many times we can correlate these weird environmental aberrations documented with a variety of you know scientific instrumentation that's been adopted from other industries and not like you know joe's ghost shack some guy just like making something in his garage out of an old transformers and like batman and joker walkie talkie headset and a 3d printed case that they put together um you know ghost here ghost not here it's like okay well what the hell's the methodology behind that so you know and in our in our years of, of going on investigations working in tv production 
talking to people, you know, from various paranormal groups or part of these like known paranormal teams, it's like we know the tricks that they use and we've outed them in our, in our series, a lot of them that they do. And um, we subject all of our findings to scientific scrutiny. So I think that's probably the number one thing about our methodology is that we're not a lot of these paranormal shows. And a lot of these teams are really about like, this is my experience. This is experiential for me. And it's focusing on what my experience and like my paranormal truth is or whatever, like, you know, and it's like with, with, with us, it's like, this is what we found. We're walking you through what we're doing. Is it paranormal? Is it weird? Maybe not, but it's really kind of hard to explain why the hell there's a voice and a light anomaly that manifests out of nowhere on an EMCCD camera, which is something that NASA uses in order to monitor, you know, photon events and black holes and cost like $28,000 a piece, you know? And um, then there's also these weird other environmental aberrations that are going on at the same time. So that that's how we do it. We're just walking people through our methodology and uh, maybe there's a logical explanation for it, but we try our damnedest to, to, to find out what that is. And oftentimes what, we don't. What are some of the false positives that you, that you see quite a bit? Like what are some of the more common sort of false positives? I would say a majority of the, the, the equipment that you see in the paranormal field is all full of false positives. I mean, it's like completely uh, riddled methodology. It's uh, it's terrible, honestly. I mean, like, obviously, there's the whole theory about EMF and, you know, electromagnetic radiation and frequencies that most people want to believe is associated with paranormal phenomena. And a majority of the time, that's just completely not true. You know, it's 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 a completely natural explanation. Uh, but majority of the shows you see, you know, uh, spirit boxes, rim pods, these, these things like that, that are just, and they're very susceptible to false positives in anywhere, every way, shape or form. What'd you say, Mustafa? Well, yeah, like another one that, and a lot of them, what's weird is that like for years, there have been numerous articles, uh, delineated by people who've like created these devices or like electrical engineers who have gone in and broken down why this is complete bogus dog crap technology. And it's like uh, the flashlight trick. I mean, there's one paranormal show where I swear to God, like 70% of all the investigations in the series is a bunch of people in an abandoned room talking to freaking flashlights. It's like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, this is what people are watching. Like I'd rather nail my ball sack to a burning building than watch that. And it's just like people. And what they do is they get a specific type of flashlight. They unscrew it just a little bit. And the theory is that like, if the, the ghost or spirit, you know, of, you know, the diddled boy wants to come in and like, tell us about their trauma, they're going to come in and connect that thing on the flashlight. And it's going to light up to let us know that something happened. And it's like, no, that's just you get talk to somebody who makes the freaking flashlights and they'll tell you that that's not it. And what they're not showing in those clips is the 500 questions that they ask where the thing goes off. Right, right. Well, that's what that's what worries me about all this is like even the I realized recently how how bad YouTube is for having people fake free energy devices and stuff like that. Like there's a whole there's a whole like genre of people faking free energy to get it for the clicks and all that. And I feel like a lot of these shows have kind of gone down that road too, where they're just, you don't even know if they're, you know, if they're even trying or not, or they're just out there for the, for the ratings. Well, they're definitely not trying. 
I mean, that, that's the sad part of it. You know, it's all about clicks and likes and whatever the whole world is with uh, YouTube and all that. But at the end of the day, it's like it comes down to data, right? Can we collect something that can be viewed by a third party? And that's the actual, you know, research at the end of the day is you could have a spirit box, give all these radio frequencies that are going to be radio stations from AM to FM or straight, you know, EMF signals, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, what is the data that can be looked at by someone from a third party that could actually tell you, is this something that's natural or not natural? And that's what we've been trying to do for many years. So what have you, have you come up with? Let's get into some of the examples. Have you found anything I was reading about? Like there's a shadow person case on your, on your website. There's a, you know, some, some other stuff. Have you guys, have you guys come across a bunch of unknowns still, or like, have you been able to, to see something that like, let's say like a shadow person, for example, then realize, no, it wasn't, it was an artifact of something else. Yeah. I mean, um, there's, geez. I mean, we, we've documented a lot of really cool stuff, especially on haunted discoveries, uh, or, our new series promo or our new series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, coming up, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's going to be debuting this, uh, October. What, what's the official date? October 6th, 9th. 6th. Yeah. 6th, 6th, 6th. Yeah. Yep. So October 6th on T&E. Um, so a really cool case was um, we were in old Louisville, Louisville Bourbon Inn, numerous people across decades um, from all parts of the world. Cause it's an inn. people come in and they all report seeing this woman in black who was believed to be this woman, Annie Whipple. And there's this very classic legendary ghost story that has all of the tropes you know, the rule of three, you know, invoking a spirit from the past, somebody ends up dying and uh, people see this woman in black walking up and down this staircase over there. The problem is there's really nothing to suggest that the story is true. So, OK, the story's not true, pro- probably. Um, so how could there be a ghost even haunting this place if the story is not true? So we decide for the sake of experimentation and also just because it's kind of cool and really moody is we're going to reenact everything this Annie Whipple woman did. So we got a practitioner of a, of a Santeria Spiritismo. Uh, she came in and she did automatic writing. We went and held like a seance. We did all the things. I went and made a there's this thing called the witch's tree. I go and I give a sacrifice there to it. I even offer up my soul like to this tree to go and like, you know, see what would happen. We go through everything, do have some really cool experimentation. Five gets really weird during the night, you know, but we we didn't really capture anything that was like to us visually like mind boggling until about a few nights later when Brandon was reviewing the footage. And sure enough, we captured on the camera uh, a figure looks like a woman wearing a black dress walking up the stairwell. (laughs) Can't explain it. Don't know what it is. Maybe it's the constant repetition of the story for decades and decades and decades that people are telling of this woman. And it's a thought form manifestation, you know, and that's like creating that. Like a tulpa. Yeah, exactly. So we don't know. But what we documented is I don't know what the hell it was, but it was it was freaking awesome. And we tried to recreate it. We tried to debunk it. We tried to do like everything. And it's like there's just no explanation for it. There's no explanation for it. And when we went and we showed this to, you know, a tour guide who said that she's seen this. She's like, that's it. That's it. And you can see it in her face. And we're just like, this is, 
yeah, that was that was to me like one of the big standouts. I was like, this is insane. Well, thanks to your sacrifice by the tree. Jeez, you're crazy, man. Hey, dude. Putting your, I mean, soul, I'm putting your soul on the line for the job. <laughs> bro, I lost it a long time ago, bro. I was born in Patterson. He took that in the hospital. <laughs> it's gone, dude. <laughs> Joke's on them. They're trying to give it back. Just fearless. Any, yeah. any, 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 go ahead, Darren. What? You try sacrificing something, maybe a little bird or mouse. You go get a feeder mouse from the pet store. And just, like, nah, man, just, just my dignity on a daily basis. I sacrifice that all the time. I think that's fine. Brandon, anything stand up for you at all? That was it, man. I mean, honestly, like the whole idea of like the first season, especially with Haunted Discoveries, like the, the thought of thought form manifestation, right? What is belief within the paranormal? How does that affect what we perceive to be ghosts and hauntings? So you go into a place, people believe something for over a hundred years, right? And you go in and you try and document that the best you can with technology that's available. But at the end of the day, when you actually have something like what Mustafa just talked about, uh, this repetition of the story being told for a century, and all of a sudden we capture that and it's exactly what the eyewitnesses have seen for so many years. And we're showing that to third parties and they're like, we have no clue what the hell this is. It, it's mind blowing. But again, it's all about what do we perceive to be ghosts and hauntings? What really is a haunting and, and how does that manifest itself? That's been the thesis of the show and something we've been doing for a number of years. And it's been pretty wild to actually document things that we can't explain. I was going to ask you about that on a bigger picture level, like the, the conscious, cause you talk about consciousness quite a bit and how that obviously plays a role in all this. And if, if tulpas are being created or what about this? Like, it's sort of like a, a haunted egregore in a way, like are, especially with all the amount of people that are getting interested in this and all the ghost hunters and all that, like there's a, there's a belief being reinstated in humanity that hasn't been here since probably the late 1800s with the, with the spiritualism. Like when that fell when that fell apart, I mean, they had politicians doing that, the seances. I mean, they had all kinds of popular, famous people involved in all that. And then it seemed like sort of World War One wiped, wiped metaphysical phenomena off the map in a way. They kind of just got into the full-blown materialism. But it feels like, is, do you think there's an increase in the phenomena with the belief of everybody sort of now getting on board? I mean, even the UFOs kind of connects to it too with the orbs and the, People are calling them angels and demons and, you know, and then that sort of branch right. is over the paranormal and the gin. I mean, it, it, it's, it's kind of, there's like a huge increase in all this belief happening right now. Absolutely. I would agree with that hundred percent. I, I think some would call it the great awakening in some way. Right. And uh, in a way that there is a higher level of consciousness, like you just mentioned that people are stepping out of the screen in a way. Right scrolling through Instagram, scrolling through Facebook or TikTok, whatever the hell it may be. I think people want to know more. They want to learn more. And I think that they understand within themselves that there is a, a higher level of consciousness, that they're connected to something larger in some way. And whatever that may be, whatever facet that is, right, from maybe, you know, spiritualism to uh, politics, whatever it is, right? I think people know that there's something larger happening. I think people are drawn to it in some in some strange way, for sure. Darren, do you have any questions at all? Uh, have you guys? What was? I mean, you might maybe you already told us this, but 
What was sort of when you're kids or whatever, what's the craziest, craziest paranormal stuff you've ever had happen? What was kind of the thing that got you into this, into this world? Because it must have been something, you know, it must have been something to, right? You look a little scared. Are you scared? No, I mean, we're just, I, I just, I know that, I know that Brandon's got crazy stories, but I, I, I mean, I got one, I got a couple too. I mean, for me, it was just that first night, just when we moved into that house, you know, we were there with big family. It was, uh, there was seven of us and then, um, no shoot eight of us. And then we're all in this house and, um, we're having a meal in the, the, the kitchen, um, you know, my mom walks into the living room and we help bring in all these boxes and stuff. And um, she starts talking to my dad in Albanian. And that's that's when I get nosy because I know when they're speaking in Albanian and and not what I call Bugs Bunny's language, you know, because I spoke English. Um, I went and I was like snooping and see what happened. And I was kind of like, I just remember being you speak like, Albanian. Me a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. So you can tell what they're saying, at least enough to know. Yeah, I spoke it fluently when I was a kid, but then once I started going to school, like all the kids like started making fun of me, and I was like, "Screw this, dude!" I'm speaking. I was like, "I didn't even like Albanian anyway. I like how the cartoons talk." So, but first, until I was like seven, I talked like Bugs Bunny. I'm going, "Yeah, hey, well, hey, Dad, I want some cereal." <laughs> you know, I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, who cares about that? But like, I, I would see um, everybody. I saw all the boxes that were in the living room somehow they were pushed towards the front door and my mom's like telling my dad like yo what the hell happened like who moved all this stuff and then my dad's like what are you talking about and she's like no all the boxes were here and they're they're at the front door and my dad's like you're just tired like be quiet like you know whatever i think he didn't want to you know he just dumped all the money he had as a down payment into this place so he's just like he doesn't want to hear any like ghost stories associated with whatever anything creepy or a gin which is like gene dies albanian bad word can't say that so then like me and my older brother were really excited we're in our bedroom we shared a bedroom on the top floor it was a three-floor house and um we were like talking about all the things we we're gonna do and we're like we have a backyard now and like this is awesome and this is such a beautiful place and this house is huge and it was like two o'clock two thirty in the morning i think and um we start hearing like noises coming from downstairs okay who get up first night in the house Uh, what it's just like your first night in the first night first night in the house yeah so then we start walking out of the the bedroom and you know my brother got like a baseball bat and i think i got like a bicycle pump like whatever i could grab to like go we thinking there's intruders and we're gonna like you know we're gonna be heroes and like save the day or whatever so we're walking 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 and we're going the sounds getting like louder and louder and louder, you know, the further we walk down the stairs and we're like, yo, it's coming from the kitchen. Like, okay. So then we're going, going and we're like walking there and it's like light and you see the like moonlight coming in. It's like perfect. Just kind of like Steven Spielberg esque like horror movie scenario. And then we go and we walk into the kitchen and we're like, ah, and like we go out and all the cabinets and, drawers are just opening and closing by themselves so me and my brother are like this is amazing like we're like this is the coolest thing we've ever seen in our lives this is awesome we're flipping out we're like do it again do it again move the refrigerator like we're saying all this stuff and then uh, my mom comes downstairs you know because my dad was pissed off because he worked at a restaurant like you know he managed and he had to be up at like 
five o'clock in the morning every day. And then she's like, what are you doing? Your dad's pissed. And then she sees it and she just kind of stands there and she starts reciting like Quran. She's like, oh, the bit I miss saying all that stuff goes on for like a few more seconds and then just stops. And then, uh, yeah. So like that, that, and then we had other stuff happening after that, but like, um, it, it was, yeah, that was, that was it. That was it. And then for years after that, like the next day, was it? Like oh, we got my, we, we got my great grandfather in. we got my great grandfather and he was a sheikh. He established the first mosque in Philadelphia and he came to like bless the house. But it didn't work. So like we just we still had weird stuff happening for the years after that. What about you, Brandon? Nothing Did like that. Believe you guys? What's that, Darren? Did What's your that? dad believe you guys? Oh yeah. He had he had stuff yeah. happen to him after that too. Yeah. Go ahead, Brandon. Nothing like that, man. Hard to top a story like that. It's very poltergeist, but uh you know, again, for me, I, I never really had experience until I started doing this actively in the field. And uh, still to this day, I've, I've had a handful of experiences, but it, it's always been about chasing the, the thought of consciousness surviving death, right? And the idea of, uh, you know, energy is neither, you know, created nor destroyed. And for me, after the loss of my brothers, I, it was always a, a personal pursuit, you know, like, does that energy you know, pertain, does it, does it survive and does it retain consciousness? So for me, it's always been about that. So, but shit, Masava's story is crazy. So <laughs> it's, it's hard to top that one for sure. Have you, well, have you had any, anything confirmed to you that consciousness survives after death? I mean, have you ever had any uh, communication from your brothers? I have not. No, it's not something I've actively pursued in any way, shape or form. Uh, but again, I, I've had a, you know, a handful of experiences I would say is strange. But I guess that's what keeps me going, right? That's what keeps the pursuit alive and trying to find answers in some way to what we perceive to be ghosts and hauntings. But still looking, man. Still looking. Have you have you guys come across anything in the last four years where it's it, you think it's very abnormal, but you can't really prove it scientifically? You can't really – it just kind of gets thrown in sort of like a strange, unknown category, but it's not really provable? For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's been quite a few of those, uh, especially with Haunted Discoveries. Like we've had some strange things happen, but again, it's all about like us trying to document environmental conditions and us trying to document things with what we call the paranormal photon theory, specifically with the EMCCD camera. And is it a ghost? I, I have no idea, but it, there is abnormal things happening in these locations that are said to be haunted. And there are things happening environmentally and things uh, happening with photon events that we can't explain. But is there a correlation to something that we just don't know quite yet in science? Uh, that's that's what we're looking for. That's what we're trying to explain. So what do you mean by environmental? Like, is that what you mean by natural ano anomalies from your website? Like when you when you try and. Well, we're looking for. Yeah, we're looking for natural anomalies in some way, shape, or form. We, we should know what the environment should be within a location to an extent, right? Uh, but when we start to have drastic changes in barometric pressure or humidity, temperature, and uh, EMCCD hits with the photon camera, that's the things we're looking for is uh, abnormal things outside, outside of the norm within what we should know that is controlled by not only the National Weather Service here in the United States, but also within the environment that we're actively investigating for days at a time. So 
how does that correlate to what is an experience and how does that correlate to something that we just quite don't know? We don't know. So that's interesting. So, so it could be like, let's say for example, a house might be built on, let's say just a, a ley line or a, or, a, or a portal or a vortex or something. And maybe that causes some sort of phenomena to happen and it manifests in a way, like maybe it manifests through, you know, the, like people that used to live in the house or enter, you know, emotional energetics that got sort of left there or um, so there's, there's a natural thing and you're trying to sort of tease apart, like what's going on naturally compared to like a, a true sort of haunting. Right. Huh. So have you, have you seen stuff that you can prove naturally? Like have you seen uh, any like ball lightning or any kind of like electrical sort of phenomena, electromagnetic stuff at all or, and what's this photon, what's this photon capturing thing? Can you get into that a little bit more? Yeah. I mean, um, well, Brandon years ago, he had been wanting to introduce uh, this device, the electron multiplying camera, EMCCD camera. And he was like, I have a feeling like this is, you know, this is really, really going to be a game changer for research, you know, paranormal research. And in theory, uh, it kind of ticked all the boxes, you know, I mean, People, they're always talking about orbs. They're always talking about seeing these weird lights and these light aberrations. Um, that's always a constant. So why not use instead of, you know, someone's Moto G3 plus smartphone to document orbs or whatever, like use a scientific uh, device that is made to detect photon events, right? And put that in, in an investigation. So literally the first time we used it was in Fort Stanton, New Mexico. And um, Brandon ended up capturing a really, really, really crazy, um, really crazy uh, apparition or something that had appeared out of the side of the screen. And um, if you freeze frame it, it looks like somebody wearing the habit of a nurse from like the early 1900s it's like that uniform and it was in an infirmary and people have reported hearing nurses in there and a lot of weird figures and activity in that hallway and it just comes out of nowhere and you can't recreate it like you can't shine a light over it you can't walk in front of it you cannot recreate it unless like the only thing that kind of comes close is if you light a match in front of it. So what that tells us is, is that there needs to be a creation of some kind of energy, you know, over there. And we experienced that again in Tennessee at a location while we were filming on discoveries. I would say uh, what we experienced there was, I mean, that was one of the trippiest experiences of my life. Like, you know, because we also verified certain environmental uh, conditions changing, but just the feeling that you got is you literally felt like it's going to sound so crazy, but it literally felt like you were walking into another plane of existence. I'm 240 pounds. I felt like I was as light as a feather, like just walking through there. It was wild. Absolutely wild. Is that, is that one in uh, New Mexico, the one where I think it was on your website or the video where there's like a huge room full of people and somebody asks them like, who's, who here has had this paranormal experience and everybody raises their hand. 
that, that was actually that was Clifton, Arizona, which is a strange place as well. Which we had some really great uh, instances with the MCCD camera there as well. But uh, again, it's it's it. We've been to God over two hundred locations trying to test this. We've I've personally been to forty nine states trying to investigate the paranormal, but very few places have produced results like Fort San New Mexico, Clifton, Arizona. Uh, Louisville Bourbon Inn, uh, Harriman in Tennessee. It, it, it's such a rare occurrence, man. It's like it's it's like uh, winning the lottery in some ways, I guess. It's just uh, dedicating the time and trying to understand and being open to scientific scrutiny, especially we we have Dr. Harry Clore, who is the first person in history to receive two PhDs simultaneously in any discipline. And he's actually out in the field with us for the last two seasons on Haunted Discoveries showing us what is the right way to investigate from a scientific methodology and what is something that's just quacky and crazy. And uh, there was a few instances, one which Mustafa just mentioned in Tennessee, that blew his mind. And uh, his uh, explanation at one point was uh, pretty hilarious to me. But uh, he, he walked out a few times saying, I have no idea what the hell is going on here. So it's, it's been wild, for sure. And have you... Uh... interesting to me, because... Now, I don't know about Tennessee, but the other two, I mean, there's not a lot of history in New Mexico or Arizona. You know, not to say there's none, but there's only a few hundred years, you know what I mean, compared to some of the eastern side where there's a few, you know, it's probably the oldest, some of the oldest places. And now maybe I'm mistaken, maybe down in New Mexico and stuff, is there still some stuff from when the Spanish came over the first time? Well, the, the, the specific building that Mustafa is talking about was the first federal tuberculosis hospital in the country. And so we're talking about a place that not only has layers of history going beyond that, uh, which had the Apache Wars, uh, Civil War history within the United States, but also um, this is like the first federal tuberculosis hospital. I mean, we're talking massive amount of death in this building that they had no idea what the hell tuberculosis was at this point. It was just a complete experiment at that, at that given time. And uh, for us to capture that was pretty wild. Uh, but especially with, a, you know, Clifton, Arizona, to this specific place we're in, uh, a lot of bloody history when it came to the Wild West. Uh, talk about, you know, the gold boom. You talk about the boom of people trying to make money in a short period of time. People get a little wild in those instances. And a lot of bad, nasty things happen. And who knows what kind of imprint that leaves within a, an environment. We don't know. Gold rush fever. So did, did uh, what was this classification system you guys came up with? Yeah, that's, that, that's all Brandon. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's something he's been working on. Um, I just, uh, I'll, I'll just say as like a precursor, it's just, I, prior to meeting Brandon, like a lot of my, a lot of the way I kind of worked was just, I would research places. Sometimes I would go on and on investigations to like help out like with the team and stuff. But like in terms of like really having a type of uh, class for it or like kind of like a, a methodology that was like set, it was rudimentary. I just knew when stuff was false positives and I knew I'm like, Hey, let's rule this stuff out. But there was a, a really kind of great, like, you know, finesse and, and class to what they were doing. And Brandon had introduced the classification system to me. And right when I heard it, I was like, this is how we have to do things. 
Well, you know, first and foremost, a lot of people ask me about the classification system and they're like, oh, like, do you go to a place and be like, this is a prison haunting or a, a hospital haunting, whatever it may be. And it, it's not the case. It, it really is a, a set of terminology that's been used for the past 200 years within, in, you know, investigators going back to, God, you can go back to uh, C.S. Lewis, you can go back to... Uh, there's so many people over the years that have like investigated the paranormal. You would never guess in a, in a million years investigated the London ghost club, people like that, that have used this certain set of terminology for these cases. And many of which are historically tied. Right. So that's something that we've been trying to do is not only document these things, but also try and tie it to historical information that is factually accurate to what they experienced. So is it set in stone? No. But again, it goes back to Dr. Harry Clore, who's a good friend of Mustafa and I. We've been working with him for, wow, over a decade now. And he always says, you don't go to a zoo and say you saw a bunch of animals, right? You go to a zoo, you say you see lions and tigers and monkeys and whatever it may be. If you're investigating the paranormal and this phenomenon is real, there has to be some set of you know, rules and terminology. And that's one thing we've been trying to adapt within this field is a set of terminology for over 200 years. And of course it's evolving, it's changing, it's always something that's new to us. But again, if we don't look at the past and don't recognize what people have done before us, we're, we're doing a huge disservice to the field. Do you have any examples like ectoplasm? Does that, that goes well. <laughs> very Ghostbusters of you, uh, Graham, very Ghostbusters of you, but you know, what- <laughs> Slimy. <laughs> Slimy, exactly, exactly. But what I would say is a, a gray lady haunting is something that actually Mustafa and I had documented on Annie's Ghost Hunters, which is really interesting. Very rare occurrence where we can actually say, historically, this is something that happened in this location that is in the same case log from 120 years ago, right? So a gray lady is a woman that's usually killed for the sake of love. That's what was written 120 years ago. It's historically accurate to what happened in a location within the UK. And we go to uh, the Athenaeum. Take a love like she been like fucking around. Exactly. Right. So we, we go to the Athenaeum in, uh, in Indianapolis. Like, it could be like she sacrificed herself for to save a kid or, or she been fucking around. Which one? Well, love, love, yeah, love's pretty, you know, ambiguous sometimes. Exactly, I mean, it could right? be both. It could be a could situation be where there's both. At the same time, you never know. <laughs> but we, go to the, we go to the Athenaeum, and uh, this woman, uh, Dr. Kanabe, amazing woman, like one of the first female doctors in the area, uh, doing a lot of really great things, that was actually murdered by her lover. And that's a relative term. I mean, what that relationship really was, we don't really know. But she was murdered. They found her. There's extensive crime scene, not only photos, but uh, uh, depictions of what happened. But it's literally to the T exactly what was written almost 120 years prior in a castle in the UK. I mean, it's just wild shit like that, that we have to look for patterns, right? Correlations, things like that, that. Again, it evolves and changes, but that's a good instance, I would say. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, maybe those, you know, those specific situations manifest certain phenomena. That's that's really, really interesting. So, what about um, what about stuff like? Uh, well, okay, I want to ask you that. I'm, I'm, I keep adding questions to my my little sort of point point list here. That 
But you mentioned uh, on your website self-manifested haunting as well. What is what is a self-manifested haunting? Oh, that's that's a good one. I I think we have a good example of that. Wouldn't you say, Mustafa, uh, Mad- Madison, Ohio, right? This very small. They call it a village. You know, it's a very small place. Uh, Madison Seminary. This location has extensive history going back pre-Civil War. Civil War. They had like a Civil War spy. This woman actually worked for Lincoln that went in and actually did a lot of intel for the union during the time. But uh, the owner of that place um, kind of ignored that history in a way, right? And started to implement his own belief system or the people around him, whatever you want to call it, into the building. And we walked through and started to find some very strange things with what some would call manifestation, magic, whatever you would like to call it. Right. And you walk into this location, you start to see sigils throughout the building that are put in very specific cardinal directions that are for a specific purpose. And what that purpose is, you can never say because unless you're in this situation, you really don't know. Uh, but again, I think that's a good example. Wouldn't you say, Mustafa? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's uh, it's just it's just weird. It's like, you know, we we go and we, we try to extensively research like every location that we're on and especially the owners and what, what they're trying to, to get out of it. And, you know, when, when, when you start interviewing people and you've kind of been in an, not only investigation for a long time, but in the TV kind of production world, you get a sense of what people are trying to do. And, uh, you know, when somebody's talking about how they need to make money off of a place and they're constantly trying to sh- sell this narrative of like this place has a dark history. There's patients here who are like sexually abused and raped and treated like garbage. And, uh, and they're doing reenactments as like psychotic doctors, like performing like weird types of Island of Dr. Moreau experiments on people or whatever. Um, it's just like, you know, re- like you don't need to, like this place has like awesome, awesome history. And then they can't back up any of their claims that they had of talking about certain medical equipment, certain medicines, certain things that were there. And I'm like hearing the stuff. I'm like, this is macabre, crazy stuff. And then it's like, cool. And he's like, yeah, and I got all the documentation. It's like, okay, well, like, well, where is it? They don't bring up anything. And then like the historical society kind of negates everything that they're saying. It's like, all right, well, like, you know, I'm going to go with what a historical society says over somebody who's telling me that they're trying to make money off of a building. And in the paranormal space, um, you know, those kinds of spots, they tend to draw bigger crowds because violence, you know, nefariousness and all that dark stuff really, really sells at that surface level. Um, so yeah, like that, that's, that's what I think it is. And and it's self-manifested haunting in a way could also be form of thought form manifestation. You know what I mean? Like you're there and this is what you're putting out. Or black magic or, or whatever. I mean, have you guys, I mean, is there, have you guys come across any legit sort of ritualistic sort of black magic, um, you know, summonings or manifestations or, and if you have, is it any, any crazier there than the gray lady type hauntings? You know, I, I've come across stuff that people have attempted to do and in what their mind portrays it to be, right? Are they doing it properly? I don't know what's proper. You know, we don't really know. Uh, but I think that there's people that have put a lot of energy into those instances and put a lot of energy into what they believe is going to manifest something. 
And at the end of the day, there's something happening there. Is that something that's according to the history, something that may be associated with things that have happened in the past, or is it their own manifestation? I have no idea. But at the end of the day, there's been a few instances, I would say, you know, Mustafa and I worked on a few cases like that, where you walk in and people try to project their own belief system into a location that has something going on. But again, like to try and assert that from what the historical fact is, is always kind of blurred lines in a way. It's it's hard to, you know, really figure out exactly what was there prior, or is this something that these people are projecting to their own environment in a way? What? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Me. Yeah. And then just, just to, just to like add to that, um, we've also been in a lot of instances where there is this constant repetition of a very, very like unsubstantiated historical claim about a place. And maybe there's something there. And if there is an entity there, I don't think it necessarily likes it constantly being told that it's something that it's not. It's kind of like, you know, if you, if you know, you go You're kind of like misgendering the entity in a way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And exactly. if there's anything that we can prove is that, you yeah, know, they, they don't, they don't get on Twitter and complain about it. You know, dead dead. <laughs> wait, wait, wait until the 2070 ghost. It's going to be a wild time. <laughs> it's ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> it's ma'am. <laughs> No, but like, yeah, in a way, yeah. I mean, I think, I think, like, another thing is like, you know, if if, if you go in and you treat somebody like a certain way, it's like you're gonna treat me like this, or you're gonna treat me like I'm a thug, or you're gonna treat me like I'm an animal, or you're gonna treat me like I'm an idiot. All right, well, I'm gonna act like an idiot. Like, if this is what you wanted, all right, fine, yeah. that's what you got. Like, I've been like, you know, even in like relationships, like, you know, if, if you're dating somebody and they're treating you a certain way and they want to turn the relationship into this, is like, if this is what you want to turn it into, fine. Like, not a problem. If you think I'm cheating on you all the time, well, okay, I'll sleep with your best friend when you guys get drunk one night. It's like, and I'll just do that and blow the whole, blow this whole relationship up because you don't want it to work anyway. So if this is what you wanted, okay, fine. I'm not saying I did that. That's a friend of mine who did that. But like, I'm just saying, like, you know, that's, you know, that it's kind of like a similar thing. But like, you know. Just the paranormal, the paranormal style. So yeah. what about, okay, what about like portals and, and, uh, skinwalker ranch type stuff i mean is that something you guys would what would ever go do have you have you have you been there do you want to go there is is that a different classification completely than the, the stuff that you guys are looking at skinwalker would be awesome right i would love to go there you know very closed environment that place is uh, i'm sure for very specific reasons probably because the fbi is controlling it but uh, uh <laughs> going further further sorry uh so mustafa was just talking about a specific place uh with you know, Bobby Mackey's, I'm sure you guys are familiar with Bobby Mackey's music world, kind of a, a famous place that they call a portal to hell, you know, things like that, you know, and we went there and uh, we investigated there for a few nights and, and shot a show there. And uh, I would say that the people that are there day in and day out don't believe the bullshit that is portrayed on social media, on the shows, one particular show. Uh, and also, you know, on the internet. And uh, we went there and, and looked into it for ourselves. We debunked a lot of the historical claims associated with it, which they talk about Pearl Bryan, you know, being killed a few miles away. It was a slaughterhouse. They bring her in, they throw her head down a well. It, uh, it was like a slaughterhouse, all this crazy stuff, which is just not true in any way, shape, or form. 
but doesn't take away from the fact that there's something very strange happening in that location and something very strange that's manifested in itself. It's almost like a, a monster hiding under the bed, like a boogeyman that's become out of this place because I think thousands upon thousands of people have been going there since 2008, believing this crazy story. That's almost like, again, going back to the thought form manifestation aspect, it's a uh, kind of portrays itself in a certain way. And like Mustafa said earlier, when you start to ask about those certain things, things take a real turn in a serious way. Wow. That's fascinating. And yet you still give away your soul at the sacrificial tree, even though, you know, I, I, I don't need it, man. I got an easy pass with a positive balance account and I'm good, dude. I can go through any toll in the state. Like I'm, I don't need that's a soul. You got to be confident. If you're going to go out there throwing your soul around like that, you got to be confident. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I thought of a better analogy other than sleeping with somebody's um, um, friend. Uh, I, I think uh, I think it's like, and this is it's kind of sad, but like you know, I think it, you can almost even kind of liken it. And this is a term that Brandon uses: paranormal mal malpractice. I think it's like you could liken it to child abuse. I mean, you could have like a kid, right, who's a perfectly normal kid, and they're great. And if you're constantly telling them no, you're crap, or you're constantly telling them no, you're special, and you don't really raise them the right way. They will grow up to become a deranged individual on one side of the spectrum or the other. And I think it's that energy that you're constantly putting out, right? Like in, in like in a place like Bobby Mackey's, right? There's an energy there and you're constantly creating this thing of this like evil, evil thing is you're not going to get something good that comes out wow. of it. Like, you know, ghosts have feelings too. Yeah. I mean, that, I never even thought of that, but that kind of makes sense. I mean, you can see, imagine if the ghost is hanging around, he's just like, just getting all down on himself. He's like, man, everybody just thinks I'm a, a depressed man. ghost. Yeah. That sounds like the worst. Yeah. Area. <laughs> just see, season four, Tony Soprano, Sopranos ghost, just sitting there eating mortadella, you know, every time he gets stressed. <laughs> It's just like you, you hear him coming in the room, and you're just like, oh, God. It's just like a total fucking energy. <laughs> Buzzkill. You to show yourself in a friendly way, and they're all like scared. And oh, look, the evil thing's there again. He's like, oh, I can't do it. <laughs> oh, man. Darren, do you got any any questions? Well, I've I never seen a ghost. Um, no ghosts. Just the stuff flying around in the sky. You know, I see that stuff. I don't think it's UFOs. I do hunt hunt for Bigfoot fairly regularly. Oh, nice. How are they not all connected? How do we not know? You know, they could be all the same guy or thing, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. <laughs> don't want to misgender yeah. the officer. <laughs> <laughs> How are they not connected? You never know. I'm mostly hunting for other stuff just, you know, in case Bigfoot comes along. I will save Bigfoot as my shirt says. Yeah, that's me diving in front of Bigfoot. Thank you for your service. We you really still hold that stance, Grant? Taking, oh, yeah, of course I do. I'm saving yeah. Sasquatch. I mean, I would never shoot the guy. I mean, I can't believe you would even consider so I could tell you grew up on 90s movies, right? <laughs> like Harry and the Hendersons. You're like, no, he's misunderstood. How <laughs> you guys are going to weigh in on this? But how do you, what do you guys think? What if, if you guys, it is, if someone's got a gun, and Sasquatch happens in front of them. Do you think they should shoot it, or what? What if it's you? What would you do, or what should people do? Do you think people should sh shoot a Bigfoot, or should it not be shot? 
can you talk to a Bigfoot and be like, hey, man, let's sit down and have a like, beer? No, it's like a like, 300 like, yard. No, it's like 300 yard. You got a few seconds to decide. just walking across a clearing. But it's enough would, to know. You know it's a Bigfoot. You know it's not a person. It's 100% a Bigfoot. There's no like repercussions for accidentally shooting a person here. It's a Bigfoot. You can shoot it or you cannot shoot it. It's up to you. But if you shoot what, it, everyone what knows. The, what are, what are you shooting the knee? Like just uh, you know, take it down. You really you know, want to approach a wounded Bigfoot? Why not? Why not? I don't know, man. I've seen some wounded animals. They fucking thrash. I like that answer though. That is yeah. a decent answer. We haven't heard maim yet. <laughs> yeah, you shoot the Bigfoot in the knee, and then listen, dude. I mean, <laughs> we're all gonna die one day. I mean, getting your head ripped off or your arm tore off and beaten to death by Bigfoot is a pretty badass thing to put on your headstone, dude. Way better than like, oh, he was surrounded by his family in the hospital, <laughs> like all that. Like, nah, dude, oh, you kill me, Bigfoot, dude. Just like Bigfoot me up, dude. He almost took Bigfoot out, but then Bigfoot took him out. Yeah. What about you, Mustafa? You would shoot it down or? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm right in line. It's crazy. I was literally thinking the same thing Brandon was saying. I was like, yeah, if there's an option to maim it and shoot it, and then we could, like, you know, get good footage of him, you know, and then uh, maybe Rational research him. Wounded. <laughs> yeah, man. And just like, and then if you can maim him enough to get like trank darts and then let's just like load him up with a bunch of ketamine or something, you know, get him like, get him just fucking lit dude just get like get high with bigfoot dude <laughs> just, like, just do dmt with bigfoot like that would be awesome dude yeah that's what i want to do send them to the k-hole if you do want to yeah. get the we do carry the take the shot shirt too which is the just shoot bigfoot it's the same as graham shirt except there's no dude in front of it it's just shoot the motherfucker you get both of america.ca slash swag i i will say if the only choices are to kill Bigfoot, let's say you can't shoot him or maim him, or um, to to not, I would I would elect to not because like you know we need a chance to like capture this guy again. You know maybe try to track him or do whatever. You know, well, so you think it's a one off? You think it's just the same Bigfoot all the time? <laughs> no, same Bigfoot all the time. Yeah, it is. It's the same guy. <laughs> He's like a traveling salesman. He's going around, you know screwing everybody over <laughs> selling them crypto or nfts or whatever the traveling salesmen are doing these days like the littlest hobo soundtrack yeah but like modernized because it's nfts and crypto you know you put some skrillex in there or something i don't know so brandon you're into history quite a bit like what do you want to mention a couple things you think about uh historical things that you think need to be have a little bit more focus or that you're going to work on at all or yeah, well, absolutely. Also, also, if there's any like sites, ultimate sites that you guys like would love to go to, but you haven't been to yet. Well, I mean, first and foremost, like, history is key. I mean, to especially investigating ghosts and hauntings, right? So history is the point of why you're at a location, right? It's all about the people that came before us, the people that survived that, or some that didn't survive that. But uh, you have to appreciate the heritage you have to appreciate what is happening in these locations and i i think it's like for a lot of people that's what it's like it's reliving history in a way right go to a location uh especially historical societies museums places like that where a majority of the people that run those locations typically would not allow paranormal investigators into a place that are like 
well, this is a great avenue to really relive history. So um, history is very important. And that's probably the first and foremost uh, avenue for haunted discoveries. It's kind of like the location, the history is like the main character in a way. So again, history is important. Preserving history is important and trying to understand those that came before us and the heritage associated with that. Cool. What about a favorite site that you haven't been to that you want to go to, like on a top top site on your wish list kind of thing? Oh man, I would have to say probably uh, the Tower of London, for sure. You know, it's it's got the bloody mythos associated with it, and it's got everything you would you know associate with ghosts and hauntings for sure. What about you, Mustafa? You know, this is like a question that I, I think about all the time, and I'd have to say. That probably your mom's house. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, uh, the White House. The White House. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, the, the White House, dude. I think that would that would be great. I think we could finally get an answer as to whose cocaine that was, uh, among many, many other very, very, very pressing, burning questions. Um, but no, I think it would be it would be really cool. And what's crazy is that there was a point in time where it almost seemed like that would have been a possibility uh for brandon and i to 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 do um i don't see how it's going to happen hopefully in the future uh under different circumstances maybe it could what, happen what you but what, you gotta let me tell you let me tell you let me, let me gonna tell happen. you let me it's gonna happen, me, it's, it's it's gonna happen. we're gonna they're the best they're the best excuse me they're the best they're the best they're very very talented i came in there and i said these guys are great ghost hunters and i walked in and i said man these guys are great ghost hunters <laughs> We got the biggest ghosts in here. Yeah. No, but uh, I think, yeah, it would be awesome, man. Like freaking White House, dude. It'd be sick. Um, What about, uh, like, what about your show? Plug plug your show a bit more. Like, do, is it, how many seasons is it? How many episodes? Like, how, how can people watch it? Any kind of highlights you want to talk about? Well, first, uh, the first season is actually going to air on Teeny. Uh, October 6th um, during Creep Week. We're very excited about that. And uh, we actually just finished the third season that we're editing right now. So uh, season one is going to air again on TNE uh, during Creep Week. Uh, in TNE? TNE. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it sounded like you said Teeny. Same thing, right? Yeah. Teeny. Well, that could be very different. Teeny. Teeny. These damn AirPods, man. I don't trust yeah, but that's it. And then uh, I think, you know, we highlighted a, a couple of cases from there. But um, one big thing that um, this is a huge part of APRA, the American Paranormal Research Association's uh, research, is a familial hauntings. You know, that's that's a very, 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 very big through line, um, especially in all the seasons of Haunted Discoveries, but especially in the first season. There's a crazy correlation between like a place that that has a, a family bloodline that's been there for a very, very long time. They have a vested interest over generations. And for some reason, those spots almost always yield really, really, really cool results. Wow. That's fascinating. That's really, I wonder what that is. Eh? That's really interesting that the blood, the bloodline is still living in that same location. It's got something sort of solidified, some energy solidification or something. That's awesome. Yeah. Skin in the game, man. Wow. Interesting. Darren, you got any last questions or anything or 
we wrap it up. Are they all getting buried in the same spot? Is there like little family plots there or something? Is that what's going on? Or yeah, sometimes, sometimes it's Majority, family yeah. plots. Yeah, I think I it's just those, like old abandoned buildings that are probably you know not that old, but probably a hundred or more than that. Maybe a hundred and fifty year old or hundred. Nah, maybe not somewhere between like ninety and a hundred and fifty year old buildings. You know, a lot of them have fallen over, but. There's still a lot of those old like barn hut barns and farmhouses kicking around in Alberta. I'm, I'm tempted to go poke around into them, but I went into one one time and there was a snake in there. So I've been like, oh, you know, I'm not really into snakes. You know, I'm, I don't mind hunting bears with bows and arrows, but I'm not into fucking snakes, man. There's just something that ain't right. There's even and you know what's in a cat? When you look at a cat the right way, it's very fucking snakely. Cats and snakes are like fucking cousins. I I don't mind this. I don't mind cats. Same eyes, same eyes, man. Yeah, they're fucking like fur snakes. Did we? There's not a question there. Yeah, but did you guys have any social media? Did we miss anything? Where can our listeners track you down? Twitter, Facebook, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, um, all of it. It's Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram, not TikTok because, you know, I don't wear tie-dye sweatsuits and do, you know, lip-sync dance routines. But, um, yeah, Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, just Mustafa Gatilari. Um, if you type in Haunted Discoveries, that'll that'll put our stuff up. And, uh, yeah. And you, Brandon? Same, man. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. The uh, Haunted Discoveries, again, coming out October 6th on T and E. Better, Darren? Good? Good. Perfect. All right, perfect. Good. Uh, <laughs> you remind me of Greg Carwood, actually. You remind me of a, a podcast host friend of ours. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. The, you think, Darren? I was like, who, who does Brandon remind me of? Maybe. Do you smoke yeah. lots of weed, Brandon? No comment. Okay, so there yeah, it could be Carlwood, totally. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. This has been fun. I hope good luck with your show, and uh, maybe we can have you on again sometime. This has been great. Yeah, love send to send us the links when it comes out so we can uh, throw it on our social media. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, guys. Right on. Thanks All a lot. Right. And that was a chat with Brandon and Mufasa from Mustafa. Mustafa, sorry, from Haunted Discoveries. Yeah. Well, that's the show coming out. Yeah. How can you put Haunted Mysteries in the title? Oh, what? Did I? Yeah. Oh, that's my problem. Sorry about that. Oh, did I even put it in the title too? Ah. Discoveries is what it was supposed to say. Shit. Mufasa's got back to you, or sorry, Mustafa's got back to your moms. <laughs> That's just awesome. Man. That's the best. I knew you'd like that one. <laughs> so, yeah, big thanks to Brandon and Mustafa for coming on the show. Check out their stuff Haunted Mysteries, Discoveries. Sorry, Graham's got me all fucked up because he fucked up the title. Haunted Discoveries, uh, Facebook, Instagram, like they said, YouTube, Twitter. Did they say YouTube? No. Renala. Fuck YouTube. We're on YouTube right now, aren't we? Sorry, I didn't mean it. Sorry, YouTube. Um, yeah, big thanks to those guys for coming on the show. Big thanks to you guys for listening. Uh, big thank you for supporters. You know, we, we, you guys, if we didn't have the few supporters we do have right now, we'd be fucked. Uh, so, like, fucked, fucked. So, big thanks to the guys that have been 
you know, hanging in there. Most of them are around for years and years and years and years because the last few years, you know, a lot, a lot, not a lot of new people have been signing up to support the old Grand America show. If you guys get, are getting a little value from our podcast over grandamerica.ca slash support today, sign up for monthly, make a one-time donation. And uh, yeah, stay tuned. we got some big things coming on the horizon uh, with audiobooks and uh, some stuff here, maybe. All sorts of fun stuff on the horizon. We're going to need your help getting the word out. That's the other thing you can do if you're broke, right? I got no fucking money. All right. So tell some people about the show because we're fucking kicked off of everything. We're banned from everything. And uh, we need you guys to say, hey, check this show up. So that's it. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. You think your mom's watching live? Sorry, Mary. No, you're still alive, though. I know, but we're it's okay. not out of the podcast. I knew that. No, I, no, I don't think she's watching. <laughs> Thanks she, for tuning into the live show, guys. But it is one of the reasons why we're doing live again for the moms. So. My they mom's like watch watching. Instead, they like to watch instead of listen. All right. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll be back. Uh, probably Tuesday. Probably, probably Tuesday. Okay, ciao. I'm walking gingerly through the rat race. Take a look at the big old smile on my face. Kicking around down by the pool of narcissists. The people are many, they preen themselves. Oh, how they navel gaze. Somewhere over that hill, the gloomy skies cease to exist. I'm climbing that hill, I pass by and pity the poor Sisyphus. I go into hyperdrive, turn into a beam of light. I'm strolling down a static electric avenue. The people are predictable, they say, good morning, how do you do? When out of nowhere, a randomly pure angel in the crosswalk bumps into me. And in doing so, knocks all the evil and all the wind out of me. And it's black as tar, ugly as ever, and of no apology. This angelic mama sings heavenly of the truest theology. Together we're a seraphim dream, forever young with no chronology. Thousand years from now, we'll be written into ancient mythology. We go into hyperdrive, turn into a beam of light. Can you tell me about the view up there? It's sparkling remarkably, the air is crystal clear. Well, please won't you tell me what it takes to transcend this place? A little bit of heart and a whole lot of soul. Take a look at the big old smile on my face. As my angel says, dance with me and your life will never, ever, ever be told. I go into hyperdrive, turn into a beam of light. 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 Turn into a beam of light.
into a beam of light Turned into a beam of light Turned into a beam of light Turned into a beam 